I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch says this has none of Lovecraft's racism, but still somehow gets in white hoods and robes. A triangle is a shape with three sides. It has three angles, three corners, three straight lines. A triangle is a shape with three sides. It has three angles, three corners, three straight lines. Draw a triangle up in the Not to feel like we're in some sort of Groundhog Day situation, but I feel like we've done this before. It is kind of weird that this that this is a that we had a fuck up with our recording and we have to do this again. But it didn't happen next month during Groundhog Day month. I mean, it might that we haven't recorded any of those episodes yet. But yeah, I'm Aaron Armstrong. That's Pete Moran. We're We Live to Watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course around that month. Uh, around that theme, and if we remember, we compare and contrast them. And we're in the middle of A Winter's Lovecraft, which are movies not adapted from Lovecraft stories, but so inspired by them. And the movie we're doing today, The Void, is a very much uh, Lovecraft inspired by, so much so that it kind of came from the ashes of Del Toro's uh, Abandoned because of studio demands uh, at the Mountains of Madness adaptation. And uh, as as you kind of could guess, this is the second time we're recording this because this is our first ever fuck up where we have to re-record an episode, Peter. Um, yeah, this is my fault. Uh, no, stop. I said but, we. But, it's a we was, situation. Yes. yes we, my we, audio we. doesn't work without your audio. So it's an us problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like if you offer a French guy uh, a baguette, you know what they'd be saying? Same thing you're saying. We, 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 we. <laughs> but uh, and part of the reason we're telling you is not to throw Pete under the bus. But we imagine this will be somewhat of a shorter episode. We did full full transparency. We recorded about two and a half hours on the movie a couple days ago. Uh, and are doing this as part of a double recording session. We just recorded another episode before this. We're doing this to try to, A, not immediately get right back into... An episode we already did because it, it long long time listeners or eagle eared listeners may know that uh, we don't have like we don't talk about the movies before and we have a very loose structure so we didn't want to just come in and repeat the same thing so we threw another episode before and then are re recording this and it's possible this may be a shorter episode it was our first recording post our kind of long winter break we took six weeks off from recording and pre recorded a bunch of episodes uh, so now. We're recording this again. It may be a little shorter than it was. Uh, we may say the same jokes and you won't hear the other person laugh because we already laughed the first time. But it's the first time you're hearing it. So even though you're in the privacy of your own home, car, bed, airplane, wherever you listen to our podcast, we would appreciate you laugh because we know for a fact you haven't heard the previous recording because it doesn't exist <laughs> that's actually the problem the problem so we're is grimly you can't trotting, hear yeah, yeah if we're grimly trotting through a joke just remember it was funny the first time uh so i don't know what's gonna come it's kind of exciting peter um and and so today we're we're healing a little bit um so we're healing a little bit by re-recording our void episode so uh, so let's let's get out a few jokes that we already said 
Yeah. Uh, so I think the, the first one is that we agreed the tagline to this movie, which is something about hell. Do you remember it off the top of your head? It's, uh, there is hell. This is worse. <laughs> which is good. It's a good tagline. Yeah. But we, this wasn't alternate taglines. We just think that the tagline should be avoid the void. Avoid the void? And I you'll mean, notice that Peter advice. didn't laugh. Peter didn't laugh, but he did the first time. Sorry, it was a Skype delay. <laughs> <laughs> he did. <laughs> Baby clap. <laughs> Baby clap. And then we, we, we thought of a bunch of other things that rhymed with void. And we talked for like 20 minutes about like, you know who should avoid the void? The Noid. Um, the, the, Androids. When you think about it. When you think about it. What could be more dangerous than the Noid in the Void? You don't want the Noid in the Void. You gotta, you gotta steer clear if you're uh, a droid. Avoid the Noid. This is the Void. Yeah, and if it droids avoid the Void, in, and if both of us went in the Void, you could say the Void got goyed because we're both goyim. Could you say that? That we didn't say it last time. So I don't know if you can say it this time. <laughs> Sorry, I just kind of was riffing and forgot to oh, draw the exact no. same steps I did last time. You got you got my outline of just my dialogue, right? Yeah, I forgot that this is a this is a dance class, and I have to do the exact same steps I Follow did last time. Or I'm the failing. steps. Uh, what other words did I remember? At one point, we looked on uh, by by we I mean me, but again, it's an us thing. Uh, I believe I looked up words that rhymed, like if your name was Boyd. Avoid the void. Yeah, if your name is Boyd, uh, avoid the void. I mean, I would be, I would be joyed if I never. Uh, we didn't. That's a new one. I would be joyed if I never landed in a void. Oh yeah, you'd be overjoyed to if, avoid the void. If you threw uh, a certain kind of fish in the void, that void would be coyed. I don't know if uh, I know toy's a word. I'm not sure if toyed is. But don't toyed with the void. Avoid. <laughs> avoid. Like toy, avoid. Toy, toy. <laughs> avoid toyed with the noid. <laughs> hey, uh, if uh, Doc Brown went into the void, maybe trying to discover some new science, uh, be Christopher Lloyd in the void. I don't think he discovered new science. I think he just discovered no. scientific phenomenon and then reported science. on it. You wouldn't consider you, time travel you, a new field of science? Can you do new science, or can you just discover existing things that happen in science? Science is the human study of natural effects, Aaron. Science rules. <laughs> That's from... <laughs> do you think Miss Frizzle would avoid the void? Or do you think she would... Uh... All Miss Frizzle does is go into voids! Yeah. She's like, she goes into Arnold's the Arnold's Void. Oh, that was another thing. We should get this out of the way. Doesn't right they go away. into Arnold's body at some point? <laughs> I'm sure they did. And I'm not sure who Arnold they went is. through one of his voids. Like, hey, Arnold? <laughs> uh, no, there's a character on the show named Arnold, and he's kind of a little shithead. Uh, so it was a crossover episode where they went into Nickelodeon's character's voids. <laughs> if I pissed off a, uh English soccer fan, do you know what I would be? <laughs> Nope. This actually will be a new discovery for me, so I'm excited to hear. Oid! <laughs> uh, the act of being oi. I know, I got it. I yeah. got it. Another thing we talked about, let's get it out so we can't use the joke later. We talked about an opening segment that while this movie does contain voids, so do we. We can toy. We can toy. We can toy. 
We can toy in voids. We can toy, we can toy in voids. Uh, and we, we were going to start a campaign where uh, we rename all the holes in our body void. So ear void, ass void, butt void. And that ideally, listeners of this podcast, if you're pissed at someone and typically your go-to response because you are aggressive is to call them an asshole, you should call them an ass void and do not explain it. Uh, yeah, just make figure it unblinking out. eye contact for as long as it takes. Unblinking. <laughs> unblinking. All of our vowels are becoming OIs. We're getting sucked into the void. Do you think Australia oh, no, is void? Because uh, they always throw OI into words. Good eye, mate. Like the famous band, Men at Void. <laughs> worked? <laughs> didn't work. Men at Void. Speaking of things that did work, that... Yeah, yeah okay. I was not a man at work. I was an unemployed. Uh, that's a that's a joke for editing. Maybe we'll leave it in. We don't know how much material we'll have because we already talked about all this shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're doing the void, uh, kind of Astron Six adjacent. In if it was like right next to Astron Six, but they're like, oh, this building is higher class, so we're going to name it something else. Uh, because essentially, uh, Astron 6, if you don't know, is a film collective of uh, these uh, these five guys from Canada. And they have been making very like loving homages, and sometimes very aggressively loving homages to kind of 80s and 70s, straight-to-video type uh, horror and sci-fi movies in like Manborg, Father's Day, the editor... Uh, Father's Day is about like uh, horrifically gross from a like sexual politics standpoint. 80s horror movies. Manborg is like cheap Robocop ripoffs. And uh, and Manboig. Manboig. And 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 the editor is a kind of a yellow like uh, send up. And, and they kind of became less send ups and more. Like, the editor, it was one of my favorite films of 2015, and it's very much, like, could could easily exist as the thing it's kind of making jokes about. And a lot of the jokes are about the editing and some other things that come from those movies, less than, like, doing true parody of the material. Uh, and they, they – so they, they tend to exist in this way that, like, some of these other movies do, like um, – Turbo Kid or and uh, uh, a movie I've been talking about quite a lot lately, Dude, Dude Bro Party Massacre Three, as commentary on those those types of like straight to video mini genres uh, existing as the thing it's parroting, and then have a has a little bit of like lovingly teasing those genres, and they they did a fantastic job. Like uh, Manborg is a little rough for me. I know some people really love it. Uh, Editor is one of my favorites. Father's Day. Is not a movie we will ever do on this show for a variety of reasons, uh, but it, I do really love it. But it is, again, a movie about uh, – I say again because Peter and I talked about it. Uh, it's a movie where the plot is what if there's a person who rapes fathers to death? Yeah, it's about a, de- a, a dad raping demon. Yeah, which again, it does – it feels like somewhat of a commentary on a lot of the the kind of uh, horror sexual violence that's done poorly in a lot of 70s and 80s movies and like reversing the or switching the gender up from uh, kind of like the Mother's Day type movies to fathers is funny, but it is like 
I I don't even know how we talk about that movie. Yeah. So we're not we're not going that's, to. That's but a we big should old minefield, and I'm just yeah. We couldn't approach it the way we approach in this show. It's more one of those things where you just share a a still on Instagram or Twitter, and you're like, "This is a cool movie," and you just kind of walk away. Like, from please that. read the plot summary and see if it's uh up up your alley, uh, yeah. because it is it's something else. So. Now, whereas we note here that uh, Aaron uh, Aaron introduced me to I, I I was I had heard of these movies before, um, but during the um, I think around when the editor was coming out, um, uh, Aaron introduced me to these filmmakers, this Astron Six Collective, which is five five filmmakers essentially from various backgrounds with various uh, key talents, and then they kind of as they uh, jo- and joined with uh, L.A. and uh, I guess just generally American filmmakers. Um, it grew, their little circle grew bigger before they, uh, they sort of, um, closed up shop. And yeah, disbanded recently. They went their separate ways, more or less, though, uh, I think very amicably, and, uh, they're all still working in Hollywood from appearances, so. Yeah, and that was, so they did a lot of shorts, too. They actually, they kind of ended on a web series called Divorce Dad, which I have not seen. Uh, apparently like a parody of like the types of people that hosted cable access shows in the eighties, which, uh, so at some point I need to check that out. Uh, and then another like short horror movie, uh, that's included on that disc as well. So, but they, you know, they're not making movies and being like the writers and directors and producers, which they all kind of rotated throughout all those Astron six movies and the void, we it should be noted, um, yeah, Astron you Six know, plus the Void. It's technically the void. not under the banner, but it's it's all the same guys. Yeah. So, and and the reason they did that, the reason that the Void is not officially an Astron Six movie, is because they had established such a niche in like what their aesthetic was, and they wanted to do this as a like true horror movie. They weren't trying to do any of those other like stylized or parody type elements in the movies. But yeah, The Void is very much still all those same people just kind of playing it straight a little more. And and yeah, this was there. So I was really excited about this movie when it came out. I also knew that it kind of came from the ashes of At the Mountains of Madness because a couple of these guys in their other like day-to-day film jobs that they have worked as art directors uh, with Del Toro and were, were very close to him when he was working on his adaptation of At the Mountains of Madness. Which eventually got shut down by, I forget which studio, because they wanted a PG-13 rating and the studio was like, it needs, or no, yeah, the studio wanted the PG-13 rating. He wanted, he said, the only way I can do this is with an R rating. Uh, And they're like, well, we're not giving you $80 million, even if Tom Cruise is involved, to do, to do a, a horror movie based on Lovecraft. And so Del Toro walked away from the project. And Tom Cruise clearly still had the, uh, horror itch and so he's like well i don't care if i'm in a pg-13 horror movie so i'm gonna make the mummy which you know in fairness to tom cruise he was right that movie uh started the dark universe that we all know and love today so (laughs) del toro dumb cruise wagner correct yeah yeah the the failure of mountains of madness uh sent kind of ripples through a few of the 
So it kind of ripples through a few of the people involved. So um, these guys, uh, Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostansky, um, who were two of the key five folks of Astron 6, um, were involved with Del Toro. I think they, the first project they both worked with him on was uh, Crimson Peak. Um, but uh, Jeremy worked with him on uh, Pacific Rim. So Jeremy uh, is a art director. And he worked on uh, Hannibal, uh, also with Steven, uh, and The Expanse, uh, some episodes of Star Trek Discovery, both How many movies. episodes? Uh, if I had to take a, a guess, he worked uh, probably in 12 episodes as a motion graphics and visual effects <laughs> director, but maybe three episodes as a first assistant art director. Great. Um, this, is worked- a, this is a joke only for us. Literally, because <laughs> no one knows uh, that it was a joke on the first episode. But I wanted to call it out if you're like, why is this weird that Aaron's pausing to ask him this? It's because it was a very, I think, funny joke on the, on the episode you didn't get to hear. So just we're not going to give you a ton of context, but just imagine it was very funny. Yeah. And then uh, Jeremy worked on Shape of Water. So these guys are tied. In- oh, and uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is Del Toro produced. Yeah. Um, so these guys are very tied into the Del Toro verse. And so they were sent off on their journey to make the void. Del Toro was sent off uh, on a few, in a few different directions. He wanted, he made that, that troll show on Netflix. Um, he made some video, he, he started some work on some video games. Like Del Toro had a lot of creative awards. energy. Yeah. And he obviously made Shape of Water. He was he was sent spiraling off in, into all these other directions because of uh, the failure of that project. He had a lot of other shit lined up. Um, so really quickly, Astron 6 history. Uh, these are good old Canadian boys, uh, Winnipeg-based um, artists that they made a fake trailer for uh, Father's Day, which eventually turned into a real movie. Uh, and it so impressed uh, after some, doing some work with the trauma head that uh, they, it so impressed him that he took uh, them on as Lloyd Kaufman. He took Lloyd Kaufman took them on as a uh, sort of pr- to help produce and get Father's Day out to a broader audience, um, and that kind of helped them take their next small step up, and then their next big step up for the editor, which is like a wonderful movie, like gorgeous to look at. It's a send up of um, it's a send up of Giallo movies, but it's not. Like, I don't think you need to be super well-versed in Gale movies to find it entertaining. It's just a no. really awesome horror comedy. Dash make a, it's just straight-up horror movie. It make a, they're not, like, similar at all aesthetically or what they're going for. But I always felt like it would make a really good, like, triple feature with uh, Blowout and, uh, and Burbian Sound Studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three different sort of approaches to it behind the, behind the set... Uh, Behind the scenes uh, horror movie, right? Um, That are all doing like sound editing. All doing, yeah, all focused on sound editing on uh, on a horror movie, and that's sort of leaking into their their personal life. um, The horror coming into their real life, but so uh, they they uh, what uh, left Winnipeg and came to LA and started pushing stuff around, and obviously I just named the the sort of uh, filmography of Steven and Jeremy, the directors. Uh, but The Void was like a big project they like co-directed together that they were like really proud of. And um, it didn't get a whole lot of flash uh, outside like horror circles. And it's kind of sad because 
we're in this golden age of horror where these two very technically proficient filmmakers who have they have the technical know-how I, i'm going to keep coming back to that point as we talk they about this ha- they, they, they have the power they have the power and they've got the power i don't know any of the lyrics from that song last time um but they they've got the technical know-how and they because of that uh this movie is really really impressive visually in a way that modern horror movies are not the practical special effects in this movie are just wonderful and the and the the kind of uh sad thing is is if you want to compare this to their other work they both worked on it and then jeremy went to work on it chapter two it chapter two is like what i think of as like one of the most bloated uh overstuffed two cgi heavy horror experiences i've i've ever had um it's 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 the corruption of big hollywood into horror where big hollywood somehow put so much money into this thing it stopped making it scary and then the void is like something that's at just the right size we'll get into it but it sounds like it was a nightmare to make but it's just the right size and just the right level of technical know-how that like this movie is it's it's nose to nose with any of these big budget, big product, big uh, marketing budget, especially movies um, that that come out, and that's the amazing thing about horror is that this movie from nowhere doesn't. It's not a compromise to say like, oh, it's one of my favorite horror movies of the year or my favorite horror movie of the year. It's not. You're not compromising it by saying you're not a you're not giving a a qualified recommendation you're giving a full-blooded recommendation because sometimes indie horror has this liberation uh that some genres don't have you know this is such a great example of a movie that kind of takes a lot of what i think peter and i like about 80s and 70s and 90s horror movies and that kind of like straight to video we have a budget and we're gonna put so much love into it uh and a lot of times, you know, they weren't those types of movies when they came out at that time, weren't able to kind of do exactly what they were clearly trying to do. I don't think of them as like so bad they're good, but like sometimes those movies come with like this, as horror fans know, like this asterisk. Like, yeah, it's good. It's a lot of fun. But you just have to remember, like, they just couldn't afford good actors, and the director and the screenwriter had great intentions, but they were not that talented, you know? So you you almost have to, like, piece together the better version of it in your mind in some ways, and I'm not trying to say that to be, like, reductive or dismissive to the art that came out of it, but I think that kind of, like, you know, access to all these different horror movies that were some of the biggest hits in the straight-to-video market probably made a lot of people like Astron 6 go, oh, they had such a great idea here if they would only done this and this and this. And I feel like The Void is almost like a straight-to-video era movie done at a level of competence that was rarely seen in those straight-to-video movies. And uh, continuing the the gore effects that they would do at that time. One thing uh, it's worth mentioning is that like they were having serious budget problems, and gore effects, like practical gore and monster effects, are very costly and and hard to do. And they did a Kickstarter to raise money to 
do all of the effects, or for the most part, all of the the creature effects as practical effects. And they hit that Kickstarter goal, exceeded it, and uh, they made this whole movie that has these, like, just amazing Resident Evil monsters, which is the best way to describe <laughs> them. They're very Resident Evil monsters. But, yeah, but uh, like we've said, Resident Evil itself is not Lovecraftian, but very often, like, the monster design and the mutate the mutating monsters, it can conjure Lovecraft in the mind. Yeah, because we, I mean, we tried to describe them in the last episode and went, well, actually, this is another Lovecraftian thing. Uh, We can't describe them very well, except by saying they're Resident Evil monsters, which is the case of a lot of Resident Evil monsters. Even though Resident Evil, like you said, not Lovecraftian, the the monster design is just kind of this ineffable thing that just exists in, like, bulges and pus pockets and antennae and tentacles. But they're able to do this in this extremely competent way. That, like, merges all of these great horror ideas of, like, the weird murderous cult with these, like, uh, very, very uh, threatening costumes. And all these, like, people doing strange stuff and then turning into monsters and an evil doctor who's uh, trying to bring about, like, the the the, the devil uh, reincarnate or hell to... To burst onto the earth where he gets everything that he's ever wanted. So it's a lot of that kind of like conglomeration of these these 80s, especially horror tropes, uh, just just done in a way that is like it, it just does everything really, really well. And it's filtered through a specifically Lovecraftian vision. It's not filtered through a Judeo-Christian vision. Um it's uh, the the imagery throughout uh, never strength it, it, it never um, what's the term the imagery throughout never relies on traditional satanic imagery and it no. never um, sort of exploits or yeah ex- it never exploits Christian imagery basically um, and, and what's what's kind of cool about that is that it's about a cult it has nothing to do with Satan. Um, and it's so lean and so simple that it makes you ask these broader mysteries about what's going on, but it offers you very, very few answers, um, which makes it a great Lovecraft movie, but similar to, uh, City of the Living Dead and the Beyond, um, the- Which we'll talk about next week. The, something that people, uh, the Cinema Sins style, uh, douchebags of the world might consider, um, like plot holes- (laughs) Are, are really product features <laughs> because the idea that so much of this is left in our imagination that the the mac inner machinations of the cult and how they work and how they communicate with one another and all that is uh it's left in our head and it's a much scarier space in there than it would be if they like laid out the day-to-day for us yeah because in your head space no one can hear you scream um yeah the movies it reminds me the most of in like the way it kind of shows like a, a, a apocalyptic madman bent on bringing people to not not a Christian hell but a hell dimension is like um uh, Hellraiser 2 especially the the back third event horizon and uh, sunshine they just have this sense of like we opened a portal to a world of pain and all your dreams and wishes come true and I'm gonna be the lord of that portal um and they do, they open a portal into what some would say, a void. Uh, and that void is a triangle, which is the scariest of all shapes. Yeah, the triangle is the <laughs> scariest of all shapes. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of got a, it's got a, a specific occult power. Um, 
it's it's also known as the strongest shape in the universe. And yeah. it's uh Ooh, yeah. rough shade on the parallelogram. <laughs> repeat <laughs> joke! Aaron, you gotta stop calling it repeat jokes. <laughs> it's just gonna kill the it's gonna kill all the laughter dead. Well, I said it after you laughed. Are you saying I can't do that? <laughs> I waited to see if it got a laugh, but then I feel like honesty with the audience is the most important thing that podcasters who talk about movies do can please do. don't say honesty is the best policy please please don't say it what what's uh, what what's a better policy name name a better policy be kind wa- rewind uh, wash your hands if you're serving food you turn the page you wash your hands you turn another page you wash your hands uh anyways yeah what, what, what saying? were you saying i don't know are we good here <laughs> sure uh so <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying? Fuck. Something I interrupted. Uh, it's, not, it's not my job to remember what I was saying. You've already uh, said it twice. I oh, so I said a repeat joke about oh triangles. Oh yeah, triangles have a specific. You're right. Triangles are the scariest shape. Um, they have a specific power. The, there's a saying, and I don't really know what it means. That the triangle is the strongest shape in the universe. Um. <laughs> It has specific occult meaning. Uh, and it's Wait, Peter, with- I don't think that's a saying. Were you in a cult? Uh, yes. Uh, the cult of the triangle. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I heard this from my teacher, Dr. Triangle, at the Triangle Center. Oh, wait a sec. Oh, we really hated the cult of the square. Maybe that's why we thought the triangle was so strong, because we were self-conscious about how strong the square is. Did you have, like somewhat like allies that you were like well in the final shape war clearly we're gonna be enemies but for now the cult of the oval is one of those the enemy of my enemy is my friend situations Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely you have to make alliances you know even though with people that wouldn't necessarily agree with you on what's the strongest triangle you think like you would agree though like the oval is the weakest shape right it's like a bubble that's that close to being popped uh case in point Leave a avocado on your counter for about a week. You can squeeze that fucker <laughs> right into mush. Yeah, you do the triangle, and what you have is a bloody hand because the point is gonna get you. It's gonna get you. Hey, hey, uh, you want to crush a triangle? Why don't you uh, go Good to the fucking the, luck. The, the pyramids in in uh, Egypt? Try and squish one of those triangles, you fucking idiot! You fucking <laughs> idiot! You're trying to crush a pyramid? You like the kids in the hall guy with your fingers? That's not really crushing it, you know. <laughs> the pyramid's fine. Uh, okay, so uh, the, the, there's uh, pyramids and triangles have a specific occult meaning, which is it's, it's kind of interesting. The movie chooses to to uh, piggyback on that because there's something there's something very powerful about this black triangle shape that keeps popping up throughout the movie. It's on yeah. the face of the white hoods of the cultists. Yeah, um, it's those the, those it's costumes are. Is triangle shaped, and at the end of the movie, the the outdoor the the alien world features a massive floating pyramid. Yeah, it's great. So with that, we should tell you what happens at the end of the movie. But first, the beginning and the middle. Peter, do you once again want to talk about the void? Uh, loved it the first time. Uh, love it the second time.
alternate taglines on? No, I already okay. did it. Can't oh, okay. Again. Cool. You want me to you do give us a plot recap? Sure, sure. Small town sheriff. Just a small town sheriff. You can't take my jokes. <laughs> they have to be yours. I think I think that was my joke. Just a time. small town sheriff waiting for some crime to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Took a midnight hobo going anywhere. <laughs> Took the void to pyramid <laughs> land. <laughs> Just a culty boy, born and raised in I don't know. One of, one of the many movie cops who is bored and annoyed that not enough crime is happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the the cop in this movie, Daniel, uh, our protagonist, is sitting in his squad car, being bored, all that. And he... Oh, someone murdered someone, so I can crack the case. <laughs> Till 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 uh, he gets to crack the case, he's gonna crack a few cold ones, if you know what I mean. Um, he's not gonna be doing very much; he's just gonna be hanging out. Um, so he's sitting in a squad car, yada yada. But he he sees a guy crawling along the side of the road. He assumes it's just a drunk or a guy in drugs, something. Uh, and he says, "You having a good night, buddy?" Or whatever cops say to drunk people to try and put them off <laughs> on their game a little bit, um, not make them super defensive. Uh, and he notices the guy is injured. So he's like, shit, I gotta actually take him to the hospital. Um, but the closest hospital by far, because they're out in the country somewhere, uh, I, I don't know where it is canonically, I'm sure it's actual, like, rural Canada. Um, but he, the closest hospital uh, is actually the hospital that his, I assume, separated wife uh, works at as a nurse. Um I don't know if they're divorced, but essentially they're uh, not in a good place after the death of their baby, um, the miscarriage of their baby. They uh, He ends up having to take this guy to that hospital because, you know, it's the right thing to do, even though he does not want to, uh, you know, go be in the hospital with this uh, with his wife. His wife. His wife. Your wife. Allison. Uh, with his wife, Allison. Uh, he gets there, and there's a uh, a pregnant teenager there with her grandfather. There's some. There's a student nurse. There's another patient is being tended by a separate nurse. Um, there's the the doctor, uh, Doctor Richard Powell, um, seemingly nice, sweet, small town uh, doctor. And when I'm just, he gets, I'm in, just, I'm just a small town doctor trying to set some bones. <laughs> <laughs> Not up to any mischief whatsoever. Oh, Void? Never heard of it, unless you're talking about your body voids, which case I know quite a bit about them, because I'm a doctor in a small town. I lamb in medical school. <laughs> you talking about your ass void? Your and void? I ain't talking about uh, going to the bars on the weekend. <laughs> Our southern Canadian accents, I think, are, and I'm just going to say it, uncanny. <laughs> I love doing an impression of someone I've never met. <laughs> There's no such thing as southern Canadians, and that's why we're trying to pull it off here. <laughs> I'll see, I'll see. Um, it's like yeah. a re- it's like a relaxed Foghorn Lake. <laughs> oh no, the dog's coming to get me. It's probably going to be okay. <laughs> so, so uh, what ends up happening is uh, people start going crazy. Some big cult event is happening. Uh, they well, the first let's talk about the first one that goes crazy, so we don't pass it. The noise. Um, the noise. Uh, avoid the noise. Avoid the uh, noise. She uh, says one of my favorite creepy lines, and and this is like a creepy line or a version of it that gets said in a lot of horror movies. But I, 
just from a scary standpoint, I love the like uh, looking in the mirror and going, this isn't my face. And then like cutting it off. That's good. That's just good, spooky shit. The idea of of looking in the mirror and not recognizing yourself because you're being taken over by the void uh, and then cutting off your face. And then when challenged, gets her face blown off by a shotgun. Sorry, not a shotgun, just a normal gun. A normal gun, yeah, yeah, Because they, yeah. they have to get the shotgun later. Yeah, so... They have a fetch uh, quest. Daniel ends up, she comes at him with some scissors, and Daniel ends up, uh, she's killed the other patient in the hospital, and she ends up coming after Daniel. Daniel shoots her down. Uh, Daniel, Daniel gets reprimanded by a superior officer, gets his gun taken away from him. At the same time, a cult sort of surrounds the hospital, uh, and they're wearing the white robes that we referenced with the black triangle on their face. And they're not trying to And then at in. first there's like, it, it's great, like, addition where it's like, oh, we saw a creepy guy, and then eventually they're just surrounding the hospital. Yes, it, 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 it's just, um... They just keep adding more and more and more, and they—it's very simple. They just have uh, a strange sort of sacrificial curving knife, um, and that's it. And their goal is not—this is not Assault on Precinct Thirteen, though it would be a great setup for one of those movies. It's—it's uh, uh, it's not Night—it's not really Night of the Living Dead, but maybe a little bit more Night of the Living Dead, which is actually on a TV in this movie because of uh, you know licensing. <laughs> it's, um, it's a public domain movie. Um, <laughs> But the, they, they want to keep everyone inside the hospital, uh, inside that space. They're not trying to necessarily... Um, they're not trying to necessarily get, uh, get in the hospital in any way. But while that's happening inside the hospital, uh, the nurse that was just apparently killed turns into a big fucking... Uh, I can't really, I can't really come up with a good, I feel like in a video game, it would be something offensive like the hag or the hunchback. It's sort of a face on the front of a big bulbous body with tentacles. Um, and it's sort of an amorphous form. It's very much inspired by the special effects work in the thing. And I think it's a great, uh, it's a great tribute to Rob Bottin, I gotta say. Well, uh, and yeah, cause as, as like, cause it, Baker, the, mon- the monster f- formed from her face which was cut getting shot and then it just kind of like keeps forming so even when parts get shot off like new parts form and it it reminds me a lot of uh it's a bloodborne callback the one we're born yeah yeah the one we're born it's sort of um, a conglomeration of pieces right it doesn't feel like it's uh it doesn't feel like it's necessarily one body that has been distended into yeah it feels like several masses, bur- you know, burgeoned together. Yep. Um, but yeah, they uh, then at the same time, two uh, two characters, the father and the son, who are hunting cultists, uh, pop into the hospital and they help kill this monster. And as well, they uh, they are there to capture the injured man that was uh, at the side of the road at the beginning of the movie. They're like, give us this injured man. Give us the injured man, uh, because that man was a uh, part of the cult or witnessed the activities of the cult, and they want him back, presumably to get whatever information they can out of him and to murder him. And uh, of course, the cop uh, says no, uh, and uh, of course, the guy, the the injured guy, doesn't want to be uh, captured by these two psychopaths. And so uh, there's a moment where the injured guy is uh, wielding a knife, threatening to kill somebody. The doctor tries to talk him down, Doctor Richard. And uh, Dr. Richard gets a knife in the throat. 
um, which at the time feels like a tragedy, but as the and, and it feels develops, like oh, this guy feels like he was going to be a main character. Well, spoiler alert, he is <laughs> because he's he's evil. He's not just a small town. Do- I can't do the voice. Whatever voice I was doing, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't just a small town. Do- wait, wait. I'm okay, call Foghorn Leghorn. I'll um, say, I'll say, I'll say. I'm not just a small town doctor. I'm also the head of a deadly <laughs> Lovecraftian cult. That sounded a little too seductive, I think. <laughs> I'm not just a small town doctor. I also enjoy sensual massages of my pelvic area. <laughs> These days, who doesn't? <laughs> Oh, the best way to, as a doctor, I gotta say, the best way to relax after a long day is a sensual massage with a pelvic area. I have such long days. <laughs> and long legs. <laughs> so the doctor gets, uh, he gets murked. Seems to be removed from the film. That's not true. Uh, the doctor, actually, similar to the nurse before him, seems to, his murder seems to have only liberated him from his, his uh, flesh, and, <laughs> flesh and tomb. This movie is very much about uh, humans, uh, spirit, or, uh, you know, uh, mind uh, disassociating from the body and becoming uh, a transmuting, transforming, um, transferring into their uh, the higher form uh, cosmic uh, aberration. Um, and so Richard was actually uh, secretly the head of this awful cult that was sacrificing people, performing violent uh, orgies. And, <clears throat> and, he, and he's the father of the teenagers who's pregnant kid yeah so he actually uh, is a creep on many many levels but he uh lost his sort of human backstory to connect us back uh is that he sort of he lost uh his daughter um and he wants to similar to in city of the living dead on the wool cover arcs our sort of human pipeline into why someone would ever join up with these causes is because he's trying to overcome death um he's which to- i mean as like as a parent, <laughs> um, I will say, like, I get that idea, like, if something happened to your kid, like, you are definitely susceptible to some shit. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point to make. And and I think that while we're parked there, um, it's good to point out that while we're talking about this, this being a Lovecraftian film, in Lovecraft's work, when people become corrupted by uh, otherworldly knowledge and start to seek it out and more and more and more and start to want to command it, it's usually because of uh, some sort of personal issue, right? Some sort of personal failing or personal need that needs to be satisfied. And uh, that's why this movie grounds the doctor in that sort of tragedy. And as well, we talked about Daniel and Allison had a, uh, a miscarriage, um, that connects in because uh, Dr. Kimball's sort of uh, demon form, his pinhead form. Um, by the way, while we're talking about that, Dr. Kimball, where, where to place Dr. Kimball, he's sort of, uh, in some senses, he's almost like a Lovecraftian, like um, uh, uh, Herbert West. Because remember in the original book, he wasn't necessarily like a hero. He was uh, just a creep that happened to be funny. Um, and maybe he's uh, also sort of... Um, uh, he's sort of a Charles Dexter Ward dash Joseph Kerwin figure as well. Yeah, he's um, very he's very Charles Dexter Ward. Yeah, it's, it's sort of idea that like you become obsessed with a pursuit 
because it, it's satisfying some sort of inner pain that you have. Um, I, I think it's I think it's good to connect uh, the Lovecraftianness to humanity. Um, and uh, that's what the doctor does. But he he uh, he beco- eventually becomes this black onyx sort of form that's very uh, Clive Barker. Um, specifically like Hellraiser 2 and his voice is sort of like the mad doctor from Hellraiser 2 combined with uh you know Pinhead lead Cenobite from uh, Hellraiser 2 got a little Sam Neill too he's got a little Sam Neill in Event Horizon 2 there's a there's a little bit of there's more warmth I would say than Doug Bradley as uh as Pinhead um I don't even know it's 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 more of a like there's sort of a don't you understand what I'm trying to do here? Kind of thing. Yeah. But it is like he's fully corrupted, right? He's his one of those. Will, his will is solid. You'll like, never argue him with him out. We, of it. we didn't think the portal was going to do what it did, but it's more glorious than you could ever imagine. Yeah, that's that's exa- that's a pretty good uh, pretty good extrapolation of what it is, right? Like it's uh, it's a pretty good version of what it is, right? Um, and it's a really awesome performance. Uh, the actor. Da, da, da. I know you're looking the, it up. The actor but the, Kenneth but, Walsh is from uh, Twin Peaks. I know you're looking it up, but the the space sounded like you were like rolling your eyes really heavily at the concept of him being an actor. <laughs> the, the actor. actor. <laughs> oh boy. I picture like the target lady, the Kristen Wiig character. Guys, we used Uh, all the good jokes the first episode. Now we're doing Target Lady references. (laughs) Don't know what you want. Uh, as if they were offered two options. Oh, jeez. We'll do Debbie Downer. We'll do all the Saturday Night Live characters. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, Um, it's Mr. Bill. But it's not Mr. Bill. It's the guy from The Void. (laughs) I have a Saturday Night Live character for you. Do you think when uh, when uh, they were at the office for the cult and they were trying to disperse some pamphlets to get new memberships, they would be like, making copies. <laughs> making co- triangle copies. <laughs> Do you Where's think when the- they were having the orgies at the cult, they were like, making cummies. No, I hope not. <laughs> I feel like even if you're in a cult, that's a turnoff. Like, look, I'm fine destroying the universe, sacrificing everything to the hell dimension, but making cummies? Yeah, no, I... No, thank you. Here is my triangle robe, sir. <laughs> my triangle ID card, which, my by knife? the way, doesn't fit in my fucking wallet. <laughs> yeah, super annoying. Also, I keep when I reach to grab it, because I have to keep it in my front pocket, because I can't put it in my wallet. It stabs my hand. It's a very sharp triangle. Why would my you band-aid make... costs... Are through the roof, the triangle-shaped roof that the triangle-shaped roof that rains on us all the time because it's a square building. Honestly, though, most roofs are triangles, which makes sense because it's above you, like the hell dimension. <laughs> You're always uh, watching. I like to think the hell dimension is all around us. I like to think that too, Peter. But factually, it's just not true. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I like to I like to think that the hell dimension is in the eyes of every child. Have a kid, you'll see. <laughs> I'll see. So uh, they have to go. Uh, the, our little uh, ragtag team has to go exploring uh, through the bowels of the hospital, which in a very um, House of Leaves style fashion, there's an entire sub basement that did not exist before, uh, and is not on any of the maps. It's not their standard basement. Uh, it's a it's a sort of uh, extra dimensional. 
not picking it up. If you take a garment down there, good freaking luck. Yeah, good luck having an extension cord to your cigarette lighter. Also, <laughs> your car is inaccessible because at one point they have to go to the car to get the shotgun with the hillbillies. and That's in there. I don't know if we said it. Uh, yeah. Um, so the hillbillies kind of join the gang, but they're pissed off about it. But whatever. One of my favorite parts is like, so the, the hillbillies like, I got, we're going to get gun, we're going to shoot stuff, and I'm going to kill you if you say anything wrong to me. Is like the first person to be like, oh, the void's calling? Yeah, no, I'll surrender to him immediately. <laughs> for sure, dude. For sure. Not a problem. Oh, the void? I'm not, oh, I, a bully picks on me. I immediately surrender. Oh, I'm. The- I thought you said the Boyd, and I hate that guy. Oh, Boyd? Boyd Crowder? <laughs> He's up to no good. Always yelling yeah, this- fire in the hole. Yeah, this is a justified crossover. <laughs> Surprise! I mean, we dug coal together, but... <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, but yeah, so they go to the basement, and there is all these Silent Hill-Baskin uh, monstrosities fucking around in the basement. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they are so gross. It's They opened a monster closet. It's amazing. Yeah. They were just like, uh, what would be a bunch of gross shit? And they're like... We've got some gross shit for you. Um, yeah, it does feel like 10 years worth of like does monster designs. And they're like, we'll put them all in the movie because they're going to go down to monster basement where monsters live. So all our monsters can be there. It's a good it feels like a screaming mad George thing where yeah. especially like a reanimator two thing, a brighter reanimator, I should say, uh, where uh, where it's like, all right, you guys wanted some monster effects. You asked for uh, this spooky monster. This spooky monster, this spooky monster. But I also did like 18 other spooky monsters, so we're going to have a monster closet at some point. Is that okay? And the direct- and Brian went, yes, and it was like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and we're going to have there- them open a door, and then there's just a bunch of fucked up shit in there. Yeah, and there is some like, the head slamming into the pole is so fucking gross. I love it. It's so gross. Um, But it also reminds me of um, in Randolph Carter or, you know, in the adaptation, uh, The Resurrected. Um, it reminds me of, uh, these mistakes that want to die, but they're also extremely violent because they're in a lot of pain. These are, these are, uh, aborted attempts, failed attempts to bring something beautiful through. They're, they're, they're Dark Messiah, whatever. They're Nyarlathotep, they're whoever, whoever their, um, their, their savior is going to be, their Messiah on this end of the, of the, the void. Um, these are all presumably failed attempts to bring them through or people in the cult who have attempted to transcend to higher levels, but have only reached sort of a halfway point. Um, yeah. And I think the, the, the guy slamming his head through the spike sort of implies that these things want to die. It's sort of like Sigourney or Sigourney Weaver and alien resurrection. Um, they want to die, but if they can beat you to death with their body as they die, they're also okay with that. Yeah. Like I love Prometheus and I have a lot of fondness for alien resurrection, but like, People don't talk enough about how uh, that the um, the the freak room in Alien Resurrection is like one of the greatest horror scenes of all time. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. And then we talked Prometheus, about it. We did an episode about... on it. Yeah, I just want to drop the, the reference again. We got to sprinkle breadcrumb or sprinkle uh, apple seeds. Be Johnny Apple Seeds, but that all the Alien movies are good <laughs> except for Alien versus Predator. All the ones not with a versus or a requiem in the title. um but yeah so oh they go down the basement they get in a firefight with these things uh the injured guy gets murdered uh i actually googled something i was like where do what do i know the injured guy from uh 
So he's also apparently some sort of Canadian comedy royalty because he's on that stupid fucking show everyone loves, Letterkenny. So if you love Letterkenny, um, no, no, no offense to you, um, but people, people love that fucking show and he's on 52 episodes of it. Um, anyways, uh, so, so they get to the final chamber and we, uh, what we've realized since then is that the pregnant teenager was impregnated by Dr. Richard to, uh, be a, uh, a vessel for this new messiah creature and at the same time uh daniel uh discovered that allison as well had been this time non-consensually turned into this sort of uh tentacle tentacle pregnant beast uh presumably also an attempted vessel for the messiah so i guess richard was kind of hedging his bets by having two of them yeah um, worth noting that the the high school girl also not really consensual <laughs> even yes, if she was into yes. the whole thing not doesn't have the agency to make the decision to get to give birth to the hell spot yeah it's, um, it's statutory demon <laughs> yeah. invasion i don't know statutory uh, demon impregnation impregnation and uh you know my my one big problem with the movie is it goes into that trope again of like, hey, what if we like put a baby inside this woman unconsensually as like, you know, that kind of like demonic hell beast rape, which, um, you know, is not it's not this movie's fault that that's a common trope and a common thing that that happens. It goes back to Rosemary's Baby and probably even before that and. Tons and tons of fucking movies use the, hey, what if, even if there's not a rape that occurs on screen, what if we rape a baby into her with demon powers? And it's not movie ruining, it's just a trope that needs to die, and there's other things that you can do to have someone metaphorically give birth to your demon and uh yeah so uh she begins to the uh high school girl get begins to give birth uh it becomes very clear that she does not want this um and because uh, the baby's like alienating out of her tummy yeah this oh, is wait. not uh this is no this is not what she uh signed up for basically this isn't what i read on this on uh red <laughs> sorry now i'm laughing at myself because i uh my, I was going to say what I saw on 16 and Pregnant, and then I said red, and for some reason someone reading a novelization of 16 and Pregnant was very funny to me. <laughs> like, why don't they? They used to make, no, they used to make novelizations out of... Out of every out of every uh, movie and TV show, why don't they make novelization out of MTV reality shows? Yeah, I, w- I want this 20-minute episode to take three hours and have even more bullshit in it. Well, here's the great Please. thing. Please. Please lie to the, me more. The second the plot's done, I think we're done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get to the we get to the end. And uh, yeah, so the, uh, the, the high school girl gives uh, birth to this, this disgusting monstrosity. Uh, Allison has died because Daniel Mercy killed her. And uh, Daniel, in a moment to seemingly uh, sacrificial moment to seal the portal, tackles Dr. Richard through uh, the gateway. And the world starts to close up. The father has died in the act of trying to kill this monster, uh, and uh, the son 
has uh, the two rednecks, the father and son. Uh, the son has uh, escaped through a wall that's literally like disappearing as he's running through it. Uh, very House of Leaves dash SCP archives as well. Um, and uh, we jump to the other side of the portal, and Daniel is there with Allison, and they are both standing on the other edge of this. Uh, they're both standing on the other edge of this, this this portal world, standing in the shadow of this massive pyramid. And it's a very it's a very interpretive ending. I feel like it's uh it's 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 an ambiguous ending, but it's an ambiguous ending in a Lovecraftian way where we're seeing a uh, a awful alien landscape. The characters don't know what's gonna happen next. We don't know what's gonna happen next. And uh, that sort of confusion and uh, paying vision to something that you may never understand uh, in the alienation that comes with it is uh, the feeling you're left with in the end. But presumably the cult is, uh, presumably this event has has been stopped. Uh, We don't know if it's permanently, but at least for now has been stopped. Yeah, I do think, uh, even though they don't spell it out in the movie, the first thing they probably said to each other was, it's a huge pyramid. (laughs) It's really, it's really big. It's bigger than the pyramids I was expecting, and hovering more than most pyramids. Most pyramids tend to be really landlocked. That's probably because of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because of uh, the whole gravity deal. Does this count as technically an island? Is this an island <laughs> and a pyramid, technically? <laughs> like, like, get like, rid of all your preconceived notions on islands. Like, dictionary definition. And she's like, this is why we separate. Uh, there's more important things. Speaking of which, there's more important things for us. Uh, Peter, I don't. I have no other notes. I feel like I just yelled about why you're giving a fucking uh, recap. This to me feels like a slam dunk is a Lovecraftian movie, and it's an easy pitch, right? It's The, the creators recognize it. They avoided a lot of stuff that might muddy the waters. Uh, and they added a lot of really lovely practical effects. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite things that they also do is that Daniel has visions throughout the film of the, al- oh, of the yeah. various alien worlds. And flesh pulsating um, and a sort of an epic scale and these rolling clouds and these sort of nebula, nebulae. I don't know how you, what the plural of that nebulae. is. Nebulae. Um, and uh, he, he's seeing these visions of this of this, this cosmic world and it's this lovely CGI digital imagery that helps take a movie that on its surface is just a small sort of uh, spooky hospital movie and blow it up to an epic scale. Like even the final confrontation is essentially in 30 foot wide, 60 foot deep room with a big triangle on the wall with some hospital beds in it. Like it's not, yeah, it's not like a, it's not like a, a lushly filled it's not like a Ken Russell, the devils or something where, you know, they had the budget to fuck around with. This is a movie about uh, giving you the imagery that you need, the sort of minimal uh, vision and um, letting you sit with images for a moment and then mm-hmm. moving on. Uh, but it, it captures such a, a lovely atmosphere to have in the middle of this like gore fest to have Daniel having these strange visions of alien worlds and just sitting on these strange images for a moment. Well, and I also like um, – because, you know, the movie implies that the Void is reaching out to kind of everyone in this hospital. Like it's not – 
it's not one of those movies where it's the evil doctor who is perpetrating it against everyone. Like the void is using the the doctor who is now evil, but the void like it's ready for everyone. Like, hey, I'm going to try to like get get my triangle inside you by whatever means necessary. And these yeah, these those visions are are really, really great. Um, the only other moment that, I mean, I, I looked at my notes, I was kind of joking around a little bit, but uh, I mean, everything in my notes we did touch on, except for one thing I really like is is the way they find out what's been going on with the cult and what's been going on with the doctors. They open the doctor's drawer and they find all these Polaroids. Um, and I, it, that is always a trope that kind of works for me. They use it in the game. They use it in a bunch of other movies where, like, you just see all just tons of these action shots in these Polaroids that, like, capture these, like, either brutal or horrifying or, in this case, like, orgy cult behavior. And it was creepy when Polaroids were still a thing. But I feel like even it somehow is something that works even better as like a if you open someone's drawer and they have Polaroids in it in fucking 2016 when this movie was made or 2020 now you're like uh oh like there's there's no way this is a family vacation photo <laughs> Polaroids nowadays only mean bad things and it, it but it's effective like there is something that is just more effective about characters looking through Polaroids of horrific images than there is like flipping through a camera phone that they found you're you're right that we've discussed this i forget what we were talking about there's something about the antiquated technology being put into a digital world that's uh very creepy and i I know that's sort of pat to say but it's something that works again and again and again like it's 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 a stereotype or a trope for a reason and that's because it fucking works like uh seeing if you're watching a digital movie and then all of a sudden they're showing you vhs tape of something horrific happening it has this it has a a effect on you um it's not i don't think it's like it has an effect on you that i i don't think is totally it's totally easy to suss out there's there's something there's something there with how we are uh like with the fact that blair witch for some reason has gotten creepier to me as i've gotten older yeah, I don't, I don't I can't quite explain why a movie shot on DV is and uh, this uh the shitty like little DV cams from 1998 or whatever is is a uh, suddenly creepier to me, but it is. Well, now cuz it really feels like almost like lost footage from like a different era, but like you saw ready or not, there's there's a couple good creepy scenes of like a record player and that hide and go seek song start playing can you imagine if that was instead like all right go to my spotify playlist or hide in <laughs> uh, and i it just it just it just works because i think uh and this is just a random theory i think part of it is that it exists without continued input from us like there is something about every time you know like uh ready or not the record player at some point just like the needle falls on its own uh, and you can see that, like the you know the the VHS tape is in there, and it it finished rewind rewinding, so now it's going to play on its own. Like for most of our stuff, it requires like I got to enter this passcode, and then I got to go to my app, and you know it's like you're you're using a technology that's de- de- designed for a ton of different things, as opposed to like these that have like one one purpose, and so theoretically they could serve their purpose in a way that wasn't as planned by 
you. Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's probably as good a theory as as I think um, I could come up with because it's it's um, there's there, I think it's a good theory. It's that's I'll, I'll I'll say that I feel like it's less condescending. <laughs> we we have been recording for four hours. Now, yeah, so. I I didn't want to. I think it's a good theory. I that's all I have to say about that. I have no. It's not an insult to your theory, Aaron. I'm just no. done. I'm done talking about it. <laughs> no, I meant it as a compliment. I was like, that's better than anything I can come up with right now. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. There's something in there. I, I think it's also because like like you say, putting on a Spotify playlist. There's something because it's literally just because it's not every day it becomes creepier and and polaroid yeah, images are, yeah. and like we have some friends that have given us polaroid photos um because we have some friends that keep like uh you know like sort of for fun we when the parties like if the you take a f- couple photos of everyone and you could just hand them to someone right there and it's just like it's theirs right we have some of them on our fridge and like some of them though are just like in that box with the rest of our other photos because they're kind of creepy looking <laughs> because it's just the lighting was off that day. The lighting was particularly yellow. See, Polaroids are good in horror movies because like you take it and technically you're getting like a 50 year old version of an instant shot, but like you can like shake it and like develop and go, is that the picture that we took as it slowly comes to be? And then all of a sudden realize, oh my God, my, my face has been replaced with a demon monster. We're like, when you take pictures on your phone, it's like, yep, image, image, image captured, basically real time. Um, yeah. You can't have the surprise that your Polaroids have turned evil. So, yeah. Hey, remember avoid Polaroids in the void. Oh. <laughs> I feel like we should we should probably cap on that, right? Yeah, that that seems done. Yeah, yeah. but it's a great movie. Um, if you missed this and want to just see kind of a great like distillation of eighties horror movies with a with like a lot of good Lovecraftian stuff and like all the things you like cults, monsters, hell dimensions. Uh, they really like served up a good package of uh, pastiche. Of a lot of great, like, uh, straight-to-video horror tropes. Yeah. And I I have one final point to make on it that I find very interesting. So they modernized Lovecraft and it just completely extracted the racism. It's gone. It's not about, uh, it's no longer about uh, strange foreign peoples uh, paying fealty to their, their you know, sea god or whatever. Uh, now it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty easy switch for a lot of people to make. That's why there's a lot of great Lovecraft films uh, from the 80s on forward. Um, but the one thing that I really find interesting is, like, Daniel never, and Daniel and uh, Allison never really hear out his pitch, Richard's pitch. Like, they never give it any sort of consideration. There, there's a, it's very interesting to me. It's very, um, it's very funny because, like, usually in these movies, there's a, when a character has to make a hard choice, it's something compelling. It's like, I'll give you, it's, it's a Mr. Potter offering, uh, offering Jimmy Stewart and it's, and it's a wonderful life that much, that much money a year. Um, which by the way, we did the math, um, this Christmas and it was like a, it's like a insane pay. It was like three hundred thousand dollars a year during the depression <laughs> in the forties. <40s. laughs> like it would have been crazy. Uh, we did the inflation math, I should say. On the eight thousand dollars he lost, it, it, it was uh no, it was on how much Potter would have paid him a year. Oh, I got it. Yeah, uh, if he if he sold out, and usually these movies like they give some sort of test. Like, uh, would you rather the the the, the, the the sort of a trope is a what, what, would you, what was it like if you would you rather uh 
be a slave in heaven or serve at the left hand of the devil or like would you rather die here or you know serve at the left hand of the devil are you quoting the devil's advocate again I'm quoting (laughs) yes probably I'm sure that line is he's up there (laughs) we're down here we're living it be be my be my kid you're watching that movie and you're like this devil does need a good advocate because he seems unhinged (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't put this guy in a courtroom. Yeah, I like that movie. Um, I, I, I haven't seen it in 10 years. So. I love the first 45 minutes. And then after that, it just goes. Um, I like how big it gets. I don't I don't like Al Pacino is like the right kind of big for like an hour. And then after that, the whole movie just goes into this like camp territory that I can I cannot sanction. They uh, Lovecraft had this sort of approach that like if it yucks, it sucks. <laughs> so if something grossed him out or made him feel like that's not what people do, uh, he never considered it. Like if his first reaction was to be grossed out, he just moved on. Um, whereas like in a modern context, you, you could understand the choice to be like, I'm not, well, no, I'm not going to give in to this Lovecraftian deity. Like it seems really bad. The fact that they don't even give him a particularly good choice to make um, is somewhat compelling to me. Like they don't have a good pitch for him because they don't really have, he's not really part of the plan. Daniel Daniel's not some key that needs to happen. Like the plan is happening. He just Richard happens to have some connection to his humanity where he doesn't instantly slaughter Daniel when he walks in the chamber. Um, and I, I love the uh, I love the fact that this movie, as well as the City of the Living Dead and uh, the Beyond, sort of take a Lovecraftian uh, ethos and say, okay, well let's go a, a step further. That maybe what if humans are opting to to transform into these monstrosities uh what if people do want to walk through the gate or opt to walk through the gate uh, the end of the movie is kind of a mashup of the beyond and uh prince of darkness's endings both great uh lovecraftian yeah. movies um, well the beyond's not a great movie but it's a great lovecraftian movie uh, and uh because of that i find the ending of this movie really compelling because of this idea that he chooses to make this very very human sacrifice um but he gets to see the other side in some sense, you're like, he's in a weird kind of sideways sense. He's lucky. I always love when movies give you that depiction of the hell dimension or whatever else, and then do it in a way that is satisfying. Um, and most, I think most of the movies we mentioned, like Event Horizon and um, Hellraiser 2, like they, and, and The Beyond, which we'll talk about next week, you know, they give you very sad, they're different. But they give you very satisfying glimpses into what the Hell Dimension looks like. So, yeah, speaking of Hell Dimensions, Peter, we have not just one, but two more Hell Dimensions before we leave some of this Lovecraftian horror stuff behind for a little bit. And that is a Fulci double feature, The Beyond and City of the Living Dead. And if you didn't pick up on some subtle clues from this episode... We may have recorded that one right before this one. <laughs> At this point, I'm tired. I kind of want to eat something. I'm a little hungry. Yeah. Wanna do, you wanna get a, do you want to get a pizza? Yeah, let's go get a pizza pie. Yeah. I'll be there in uh, six hours. <laughs> great. Uh, not if we order on each other's Amazon apps or whatever delivers food. I'm gonna not Amazon. Amazon. I, they I discontinued. really do want to order Domino's right now. <laughs> I am really, really hungry. Um, if you're listening to this and you're not hungry... Mm, food see if that does anything for you uh but uh have a good night we will talk to you next week
What a weird thing to say. Yeah, very weird. Uh, good night. Good night. Love craft. Love that craft. Avoid the craft. Thank you so much for listening to we love to watch if you made it to the end hopefully you liked what you heard today and if you'd like to hear more please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch and if you can chip in a few bucks that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward uh it wasn't an implicit threat by peter he just didn't know how to say it but either way we'll continue to make more but it would be helpful uh, as we explained to our loved ones where all our money is going which is all on server space uh <laughs> if you can't <laughs> uh if you don't have a few bucks to chip in we totally understand and you want to support the show Show, we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it and it's because it really does help and so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, with kisses and smooches Peter and Aaron. <laughs> Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>